You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 161. I'm Tim Robertson, and as always, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Oh, yeah, David's not here this week. <laughs> he uh, sent me a text very early this morning as I record the podcast here on Friday, and uh, he couldn't make it. There was a big company meeting he had to attend. It came up at the last minute, and these kind of things happen. So instead of waiting to the later in the weekend to do the show with David, uh, I've got a well, kind of a busy weekend ahead of me. Uh, I thought, ah, I'll just go ahead and record a shorter solo podcast this week. A few things I wanted to hit on, but uh, obviously I, I miss David not being here, and hopefully he'll be here next week. And uh, another thing I'm hoping for is that you guys have checked out my new OWC radio show. Uh, we've got two episodes in the bag now, and I've recorded episode number three, at least, uh, well, 90% of it. I've got 10% I still have to do at the very end of the show, but episode three has a interview with Bob Levitas. That was a great interview. I think you guys will really, really dig it. He's kind of like Sean King. I did an interview with Sean King in episode number two. Sean King and uh, Bob Levitas, both very similar in that you just give them a very slow pitch and they will just hit it out of the park and you don't have to say a whole lot. I like that in an interviewee. It's It makes my job as an interviewer that much easier. But check it out at uh, maxsales.com. Click on the blog and you will find links to OWC Radio right there. Of course, it is in the Spotlight or Stoplight Network feed. So if you go to stoplightnetwork.com, you will find OWC Radio there. And of course, in all your podcast apps as well as iTunes. So with that out of the way, one of the things that I asked uh, this week on Facebook is what's the, let me see. Greatest video game of all time up to now, obviously, question mark. So that was the question that I posted to my uh, Facebook page. <clears throat> and speaking of video games, you want to know how cool my wife is? She's literally sitting about seven feet away from me right now playing the PS3. She's not going to say a word. She doesn't want to be on the podcast. <laughs> but my wife is so cool sitting just this close and what is my wife doing playing video games don't you wish your wife was that cool <laughs> i know she's probably i can't actually see her because she's actually on, on a, there's a wall between us a half wall i guess but she can hear me just fine and uh i know she's probably just sitting there shaking her head or something i'm gonna look uh, yeah 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 she's got a grin <laughs> but she's not gonna say anything so, and you know, I've had every one of, the, of our kids on at one time or another. I've had Cole on the podcast. I've had Brooke. I've had Brittany. I've had Rachel. But I, I don't think I've ever had Julie on any one of my podcasts ever. But uh, she's, uh, she's playing video games right now on the PS3. She's awesome. I kind of wish I was playing video games on the PS3 right now. <laughs> So, speaking of video games, like I said, I did ask on my Facebook page, what's the video's greatest video game of all time? And I got quite a few responses, and I wanted to share them here on TechFan. The first person to respond was Neil Wharton, and I know uh, Neil is a listener of the show. He said GTA Five Online. Now, I'm curious. He put the online portion in there. He didn't say just GTA Five. He put GTA Five Online. 
I've played a little bit of GTA 5 online. My fear is always that whoever I'm playing with is going to be so much better and I'm just going to be killed immediately. Now, I know that there are like missions that you can do with other people on GTA 5 online. My problem is I don't play it enough to really have like a crew to join or to start. People who probably play the game a lot more often than I do. So, I don't know. It, I'm I'm probably in that demographic that the single player is more to my you know, that's kind of what I do. And here's what I do when I play GTA myself. Every now and then I'll actually go through a mission. I haven't finished the game yet because I just start having too much fun driving around like crazy and blowing stuff up. And I've done that on GTA 5 online as well. Just kind of driving around. But usually, invariably, somebody will drive by and, and shoot me. So I haven't played a whole lot of GTA 5 online, Neil. Um, by the way, if you guys want to find me on either... The Xbox, or I don't have an Xbox One yet. Yet. I'll get one eventually. And I don't have a PS4 yet, but I will get one of those as well. But my gamer handle there is called, uh, is named Rude Crown. Two words, Rude Crown. So if you want to add me as a friend on either one of the services, I'll friend you back. Um, RJ, he's a, a friend of mine. I worked with him. The next person to respond, he said, Tough decision. And his was Last of Us or Bioshock. Now, I haven't played Last of Us yet. It looks like a fun game, but it looks like it's kind of involved and it looks a little scary when you figure I have, you know, a five, six-year-old in the house. And so I would only really be able to play it at night. And by the time the kids go to bed, I'm not usually in that much of a video game mood occasionally, but it looks like a very involved game. It looks cool. I just... It's one of those games that I, I will probably pick up on the cheap on games on demand on either the Xbox or the PlayStation, but yeah, I'm not going to play full retail yet. Bioshock, I always liked Bioshock, and I've got the first Bioshock and the third Bioshock, the last one. They're both good games. Uh, I wouldn't rank them, however, even in the top 20. I, I, I don't think I would rate Bioshock even in the top 50. I'm not a big first-person shooter type of player, I like to actually see the character on screen. That's kind of why I've always liked the GTA-type games. Um, but that being said, it's yeah, it's fun. It's it's just not easy to control. I, I tend to get lost in games like Bioshock. Where, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Who's shooting at me? I can't see who's shooting at me. Crap, I'm dead. I don't like those kind of things. But I do remember some uh, World War II shooters that I played back in the day, like on the PS2 that were a lot of fun, and those were first-person shooters. I don't know. Bioshock, I, I think that's more about the atmosphere of the game than the gameplay itself. Um, I.R. Adam, that's I.R.Adam. Uh, his actual name is Adam, and he said Mega Man 8-Bit Love. Mega Man is still around. You know, it's one of those games that kind of lands on all the different platforms. People seem to enjoy it. It's just a, a running shooting game. I don't. It never really brought anything new or diverse to video games, and I, you know I see this pop up on lists occasionally. But I personally never really gave Mega Man a, a whole lot of a lot of love. It's just eh, it's one of those games. Uh, Robert Hazelrig, he used to contribute on the My Mac podcast, and he is still a writer at MyMac.com. Said Pong. Now, you know, Pong was really the very first video game of any significance. 
but it's so simplistic. It's so, well, boring that, yeah, I give it props for being, you know, one of the very first, but it's a terrible game. It's just horrible. Uh, Matt Say says, Legends of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Now, a lot of people on this list you're going to hear um, are obviously Nintendo loving people because there's a lot of Nintendo games on here, but Matt was the first one to throw out a, uh, a Zelda, and Zelda's on here a few times. Zelda is one of those games that it should fit all the narratives that I'm looking for in a video game, and I really like the Win uh, Wind Walker. But that being said, I'm not a huge RPG guy, and they seem so big. And, it, and I always feel like if I'm going to pick up a Zelda game, I should already know what's going on in this Zelda universe. And I just, I haven't educated myself enough. But I do have a couple Zelda games. They're okay to play, but they're just so long. Nothing really happens. And I don't know, sometimes I'm just kind of a, an immediate gratification type of video game player. Mark Thornton, probably one of my oldest friends in the world, wrote, uh, that's a hard one to judge. I guess depends on what you are into, but I will go with Super Mario Brothers. Great choice. Uh, I think Mark's right on the money. It's definitely a top five game of all time. Super Mario Brothers really is, everyone says it's the NES that brought video games back. Well, the NES is just a box. It doesn't do anything without the games. It really was Super Mario Brothers that brought video games back to the forefront after the Atari crash in the uh, early 80s. And Mario was a, a game that was bundled in with the NES. It came, remember it was a uh, two games. It was Duck Hunt and it was Super Mario Brothers. And Duck Hunt was kind of fun. You got to use that light gun, but it was Super Mario. That was the game. And even to this day, you'll see people do crazy things with the Super Mario Brothers. I've seen... Uh, games that were it's not super mario brothers but it's it's exactly the same levels but they've created it in vr so you can literally walk through super mario's from a first person perspective and the mario games obviously are still selling very very well uh they haven't rescued nintendo uh and that's something else i'll talk about later in the show what's going on there um i read a an article in time magazine's website this week and uh we'll get into nintendo here in a little bit but I think Mark is absolutely right. Super Mario Brothers, great game, uh, game changer, really. I mean, ha, pun intended. It, it was. It's and who's more popular today than Mario in video game characters? I mean, sure, there's there's some pretty popular ones, but more popular than Mario, maybe Pac-Man. But eh, I think Mario's probably. Yeah, I would say Mario is the number one video game most recognizable character out there in the world today. Jim Felder wrote Duke Nukem. Um, yeah, you know the problem with Duke Nukem is it was it was kind of a clone of uh, what was popular at the time. There wasn't it was really popular, but I don't know. It was kind of a cruder version of Doom, wasn't it? I always liked Duke Nukem back in the PC days, playing with your mouse and your uh, keyboard. It was fun, but. I don't know, did it really hold its, uh, I don't know, historical place? Has it been supplemented, Supplemented, I should say? I know there's a new Duke Nukem game coming out, but yeah, I don't, I don't see anybody lining up to get it. So, I don't know, Duke Nukem, I, I just don't think historically it's held up very well. 
Robert Hazarig also wrote in. Uh, he put Pong earlier, but I think this was different. He said Marathon was my favorite. Marathon was so fun back in the early PC days, in the uh, oh late 90s, early 2000s. It was really one of the very first online multiplayer games that you could play without experiencing a lot of lag, even when you didn't have broadband connections. And it was just a fun game, running around these huge arenas, shooting at each other. I had tons of fun with Marathon, and Marathon really did change online gaming at the time. There really wasn't anything quite like it. And I don't know if it gets the love that it deserves. I think Robert's right up there. I think Marathon would definitely be within the top 20. I wouldn't put it in the top 10, but it's definitely in the top 20. Sean Washington, uh, another old friend of mine, says uh, Tetris for what it did to gaming in general. Uh, I agree with him there. Tetris was huge. I mean, even to today, if, if a brand new video game platform comes out, eventually it will have Tetris on it. It just will. Um, he's put Final Fantasy VII for an evolving storytelling and the medium as an art. I would agree with that. And in Braid is his personal favorite experience thus far, he thinks. I haven't played Braid. It looks like an interesting game. As far as Final Fantasy, I've never been into those games. I don't like the uh, a feminine male type of characters. It's kind of always kind of creeped me out, to be honest. And it is one of those RPG-ish. It's, I don't know. I, I've tried to get into Final Fantasy. I know it's got a huge fan base. It's personally not my thing. But in the history of video games... Yeah, Final Fantasy as a franchise, not necessarily just one game, but as a franchise, definitely top 10. Uh, Aaron, a friend of mine, wrote Defender or Robotron 2084. Defender is, uh, I think Robotron is, is way a stretch, uh, but Defender definitely would be in the top 50. It's, you know, when Defender first came out, I think, wasn't that the game that gave people seizures because of the way it blinked on screen a lot? <laughs> I think it did. Uh, Defender was on all the first home consoles. Obviously, it was an arcade game. That's where it, it originated. But, uh, yeah, Defender was a good game. I, I still, maybe top 50. Maybe. Uh, but then he also wrote, I couldn't single out just one, but many I love. My old school ones. For newer ones, I like uh, uh, Limbo. I don't know what Limbo is. It's probably a PC game, and I'm not a PC game player. GTA 4. State of Decay and Deadlight. I don't know State of Decay. I don't know Deadlight, but obviously GTA 4 uh, came out a few years ago now, uh, five years ago. And uh, as good as GTA 4 was and is, GTA 5 is a much superior game. Uh, but I'll get to the GTA series in a minute. Um, JP, a friend of mine, put Pong once again. Harry McCracken from The Technologist and Time Magazine wrote Tempest. Tempest, I have to be honest, Tempest was one of my all-time favorite games. Uh, I wasted oh, just a ton of quarters. There was a there was a brief time one summer where my mom's either washer or dryer broke and they couldn't afford to get it fixed. So we were going to a laundromat. And it, it was for just one summer, I remember. And I would have to go with my mom and dad to the laundromat. I was too young to stay home by myself. And they had two arcade games there. They had Miss Pac-Man, which, for whatever reason, didn't seem to work right. It's like the joystick was kind of janky, and I didn't want to waste money. And they had Tempest, and Tempest had this big rollerball right in the middle. And that's how you controlled your character. And uh, bad guys would come up from the middle of the screen, 
and you'd shoot them and you'd spin this rollerball around and hit the fire button. And I, I gotta admit, I probably spent on an average visit to that laundromat three bucks on Tempest. Now, is three bucks a lot of money? You're damn right when you're eight or nine years old. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and I, I loved Tempest. I always kind of wanted to have a Tempest uh, arcade game at home. Um, Shimon Pratt, another good friend of mine, wrote Metal Gear Solid series. I got to agree with him. The Metal Gear Solid really kind of started or at least popularized the stealth type of gamings. Not the run and gun, not the jump out from somewhere and blast everyone with a cannon or a bazooka. You had to stay hidden. You had to sneak around. And, you know, that that's kind of a neat atmosphere to have in a game. And not very many games does that type of gameplay better than the Metal Gear Solid series. And it's still extremely popular. I know that the PS3 has a bundle out right now that you get a copy of uh, the latest Metal Gear Solid game and the PS3. Um, Dave Rowan wrote Metal Man X all day. So another one from Mega Man. Robert Hazarig comes back with uh, the game I was best at at the arcade, Defenders. One game, three to four hours. That's crazy. Uh, I would have a seizure. <laughs> Ken Walker wrote Space Invaders or Pac-Man. So, of course, we're going back to the early part of video games. Space Invaders, I don't know. It's it's a very simplistic game at a time where all of the video games out there were pretty simplistic. But I was never a huge fan of Space Invaders. It was a little bit too repetitive for me. You could only go left or right and shoot as the aliens are descending, and those bases were practically worthless. But it was a very popular game. Uh, but Pac-Man, on the other hand, Pac-Man really did... It was the very first character that broke away from just being a video game. Everybody knew who Pac-Man was. They had songs about Pac-Man. Now, look, if you didn't grow up in the 80s, maybe you don't get it or you don't understand, but Pac-Man was huge. It was a cartoon he was on lunchboxes, T-shirts. Uh, like I said, there was a song called Pac-Man Fever. Uh, Pac-Man was everywhere. But he was kind of a game of the 80s. Now, they still make Pac-Man games. There's uh, one that I think is one of the very best Pac-Man games ever called the Pac-Man Championship Edition that I play on the PS3. It's by far the best Pac-Man game ever, and I still play it to this day. I really 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 like it and i bought that game as a download on the ps3 probably four years ago and i still play it and i really really dig it it's fun but as good as the original pac-man was miss pac-man was a much better game it was harder it had multiple maps it was just an all-around better game and uh so i'm gonna lump miss pac-man in with pac-man but it was still kind of an 80s game it really didn't yeah it sold some in the 90s and even up to today, but it's not as popular as it was back in the 80s. Did it change things? I don't know. It was a simple maze game, clear the maze, go to the next maze. But yeah, it, it was significant. I would definitely put it in the top 10 for the his, historical significance and that there's still things you can do with it. In Pac-Man Championship Edition, excuse me, is a, uh, is a prime example. Owen Rubin, who is uh, uh, every now and then is a host here on uh, Tech Fan. He wrote Major Havoc, of course, but of course, uh, he'll be the first to say that he's a little biased since he's the author of that Atari game, Major Havoc, and uh, I, I've played Major Havoc. It's a good game, 
but Owen's a good friend, so that's as much as I'm going to say as far as where I would rank it in the history of video games. <laughs> uh, Deborah wrote the original Chopper Left. That was a fun game. Uh, arcade game. Didn't translate really well to the home consoles. I mean, it was out there on the Atari. It was on, uh, I believe, from Activision. I could be wrong. Uh, I believe it was also on Intellivision and ColecoVision. But... Again, it's it's one of those games that's I, I wouldn't even put it in the in the top fifty, but it was fun. Um, a guy named Dan wrote uh, Mario made the console market accessible and popular. Pac Man made video games more of a popular niche. Pong was one of the earliest games that was easy to use and understand. Not to derail the idea, but I think the wide array of answers is because no single game did everything. They all advanced different pieces of. Uh, to bring things to where they are now. That being said, if you don't think Zelda, you're a monster. <laughs> so, so Daniel is absolutely right. It's nailing down the, the number one game of all time. Y- you can't do it. But there's a lot of them out there. Of course, Guy Searle wrote the Atari 2600 version of E.T. Of course it is, Guy. <laughs> hey, well, then again... It was all over the news. There's uh, hundreds of people out in the Mexico, New Mexico landfill digging up copies of this game. So maybe that is the most popular game, or that is the, the greatest game of all time. I mean, we're still talking about it, and it was a terrible game to play. Now, I'll go back and say I said uh, GTA 5, GTA 4. I'd actually say GTA 3 is a more significant game because GTA 3, the original one, that came out in 2000 really was the first game that gave us the idea of this wide open city and you can go anywhere and do all these crazy things. Now, do I think GTA three is a better game than GTA five? No, not no part of me would ever say that. However, for its significance, for its basic gameplay, it's not all that different than what you see in a lot of games today. Um, Oh, what is the game I'm thinking of? Uh, there's so many out there now. I mean, if it's an open-world gameplay, like Infamous, you could trace the history of that game right to GTA. And, you know, GTA 1, GTA 2, those weren't really GTA games that we know today. GTA 3 was the one that really popularized and and gave birth to that wide open world. Now, for my personal history, I would say... Um, GTA 4, 5, and 3 are all great games, but if I had to pick one as my 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 favorite game of all time, I'd probably say uh, GTA 3 with an asterisk, Vice City. It's basically the same game as GTA 3, except for it's just a little bit of a different city. They added a few you know, uh, things to it, but it's, it's basically the same game. So I would say Vice City was my all-time favorite game. It came out in 2001. And it was the game that got me back into video games. I was way into video games in the 70s when it first started, uh, in the 80s, and part of the 90s. But, you know, uh, once I got, you know, my first daughter was born, I kind of fell out of video games for a long time. And uh, it wasn't until watching television and seeing a commercial for GTA Vice City, where, you know, they had this um, Flock of Seagulls song running, and the characters, and it was very 80s and Miami Vice, and it brought back a lot of nostalgia. And as my wife playing the PS3 
seven feet away from me could attest. We went out to Toys R Us. I bought a PlayStation 2 and GTA Vice City um, one weekend and literally played it the entire weekend. I was just blown away. And it, for, so to me, that's that's the greatest video game of all time because it, it brought that passion that I had lost for video games back. And uh, I would very much like to know, what do you guys think? What is the greatest video game of all time? Is it Pac-Man? Is it Space Invaders? Is it Pong? Is it GTA? Is it a Mario game? Zelda? I mean, a couple of people are saying Mega Man. So I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. You can send an email to Tim at techfanpodcast.com or simply go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a message right there on the website and uh, I will read it here on the show next week. Uh, With that, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hi everyone, this is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast and I'm here with that big yang tank guy. Hey you nitwit Brit, did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. (laughs) Well, thanks, Gaz. I do try to look my best. Yes, Guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for MyMac.com. So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that and we'll be all right. Back here, tech fan number 161. Uh, Obviously, like I said earlier, no David Cohen this week, just below me. And I would love to see uh, some feedback from you guys, good, bad, or indifferent. Send email to tim at techfanpodcast.com or david at techfanpodcast.com and we will share your emails right here on the show and i do have an email i'm going to read here in a moment Uh, or you can simply go to our website techfanpodcast.com and leave a message under the show notes for the show that you're talking about Uh, and again we really appreciate it and if you could go to itunes and rate the show and leave a review you would be doing both David and I a great service. If you go to techfanpodcast.com, there is a link under every show that says subscribe in iTunes. If you click that, it will open up your iTunes and uh, you can leave a review there, even if you're already subscribed. So with that and talking about feedback, last week, if you remember, we were talking about uh, comics and digital comics and what's going on, Amazon buying um, a company and, you know, taking out the storefront, John Nemirovsky sent in, uh, John Nemo sent in an email and it says, uh, <clears throat> good, uh, tech fan analysis of the comic situation. I'm still bugged almost 50 years later at my father for dumping my amazing comic collection. When I was, when I went to college, it was cultivated and curated from roughly 1955 to 1963 at which time I shifted gears into music roughly when the first Batman uh, turned the world upside down, or Batman TV show turned the world upside down. Before then, Superman and his relatives were the big shots for kids' comics, and I still remember sitting in the corner of the drugstore deciding which dime was going to which comic. Uh, Thank you very much, number one, John. And, boy, you know, I know you're older than I am, um, but we have very similar histories when it came to comic books. Uh, <clears throat> I'll work backwards. I remember when I was buying comics the very first time, 
It was at a place called Alexander's Drugstore. It was on Capitol Avenue Southwest here in uh, Battle Creek, Michigan. Uh, that place is long gone. The building is still there, but uh, I it's like a pawn shop or something now. But back in the 70s, it was a drugstore. And it was an old-fashioned drugstore. Not like, you know, if you're younger, when you think of drugstore, you're thinking of, you know, a, a Target or Walmart or Walgreens or whatever. Those are the drugstores that you go to to get your prescription filled. That's not what it was like when I was growing up. When I was growing up, a drugstore was a standalone business. Then that's what that's what it was. It was all about selling prescription drugs uh, behind the counter and in front of the counter. You'd find pretty much everything that you could ever need when it came to your health. And they also, I don't. I don't know why, but they always had drugstores in the back in the day always had a comic book rack. Now, I have very vivid memories of this drugstore. It had these old wooden floors uh, that creaked when you walked on them, and it had this smell about the place that if I ever smell that again, I'm going to think about comic books because I would go into this comic book store with my mom. She would go back to get whatever she needed to get. And I would sit there at the wire rack, spitting it endlessly, deciding which comic books I'm going to spend my allowance on. So there, John, we share uh, some history because I did the same thing. Now, mine was in the 70s, so 20 years later. But, you know, I don't think the world of comic books changed all that much from when you were collecting, especially 63. That's when the Marvel uh, comics really started coming into their own. That's really what changed comic books. Um, Before that, it was really DC. Like you said, you know, it was... Superman's pale Jimmy Olsen. It was Lois Lane. It was uh, Superman's dog. And, you know, those were the big ones. Um, But also like you, John, my mom will deny this to this day. um, I left some comic books at home at my parents' house when I first moved out. And uh, that and some Boys Life magazines. And they got tossed out. To this day, my, my mom says she didn't toss them out. Well... We both know, John, my mom did toss them out, <laughs> and there was some valuable ones in there. That being said, John, if you still had those comic books from 55 to 63, there'd be some money there, depending on you know which ones and how many, but those would be some very valuable comics. So my heart goes out to you, John. We share a similar history in comic books, going to a drugstore to buy them, and having our parents uh, toss them out as junk as stuff that we've outgrown <laughs> if they only knew right <laughs> that would have paid for your daughter's college john <laughs> my comic book collection from back in the day would have paid for my kids's college so anyways uh you know the whole first half of the show is about video games and i posted this up on facebook because i'm going to review this uh, i guess i'm they're going to send me a review copy next week it's uh well at least uh, instructions on how to download it. It's uh, Feral Interactive is releasing Marvel Superheroes Lego. Uh, they released it on Mar- uh, May 8th, so it's out there. If you guys want to go buy it, definitely do so. We've got it on the PS3. I can't imagine it's too different on the Mac. I'm looking forward to uh, playing with it and seeing what it's like on the Macintosh. I'm. It's one of those games that's, uh, at least on the PS3, is just fun to play. It's kind of an open world. You go on missions. You unlock characters. Uh, it's fun, and uh, you know. The, and I've said it here on the show before. The Lego games are very, very popular here in the Robertson household. I play them. My younger kids play them. 
my wife right now, as I record this, is playing a Lego game. What are you playing, honey? She's she's not going to answer. No matter. See, I'm trying to weasel her into saying something on the podcast. She's just not going to go for it. Um, she's actually playing uh, Harry Potter. I don't know if it's the first Harry Potter game or the second Harry Potter game. I think it's the second Harry Potter game. But she is playing uh, Lego Harry Potter right now, and she's doing really well. She's already beat the game, but she's beat it playing with uh, the kids. So this is actually her copy of the game, or her saved game, I should say, that she's doing without the kids helping her, so she can go through and experience everything in the game. Uh, instead of, you know, Cole unlocking a bunch of characters, and then she comes and sits down and a whole bunch of stuff's already unlocked, this way she gets to go through and unlock those characters. I, I have to say the the Lego games for the consoles, as well as this few that I've reviewed for the Mac, fantastic games. They're 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 family games, so you don't have to worry about is this inappropriate for kids. They're absolutely safe in that regards. They're challenging. It makes your kids think and makes you think as an adult. And they're just fun. Very tight controls. Um, I, I look forward to uh, to checking out Marvel Superheroes Lego on the Mac next week. And hopefully I'll have a review for you in a week or two. But if it's anything like the PS3 or the Xbox version, it's going to be great. And honestly, Feral Interactive does a really good job at porting other games to the Mac platform. They've been doing it, uh, I don't want to say longer than everybody else, but they're right up there, at least. Um, also, this is kind of out of left field. Uh, I didn't hear Guy Searle talking about me on the MyMac podcast, but I guess Guy mentioned somewhere that, I'm, that I suffer allergies, and I do. And it sucks. I hate allergies, but what are you going to do, right? Well, uh, Gary After writes, uh, I heard guys say you suffer allergies. This is what I take for hay fever type issues. It's Nature's Way Bee Pollen Blend. Uh, Lee Laporte recently recommended Allegra, but I haven't tried that. Hope you find relief, Gary. Thank you very much, Gary. I'm going to definitely try this. I'm going to buy it this weekend when we go grocery shopping at uh, wherever we end up going grocery shopping at. Nature's Way Bee Pollen Blend. Um... I don't know what it does, but it's from nature's way. It's one of those supplement things, and I'm willing to try it because here's here's the weird part with me. My allergies tend to bother me about an hour before I go to bed and then about an hour after I first wake up in the morning. Like right now, I'm fine. But I don't know, early mornings, late nights, that's when the pollen just seems to kill me. My eyes water. I've got to have a Kleenex box nearby. It's kind of sucks. Um, and if this works, I'm definitely going to give it a try. As for Allegra, I've tried Allegra in the past. It seemed to work okay. My issue with Allegra is it really, it's really expensive. It seems prohibitively expensive. And I don't really want to spend that much money on something that uh, is may or may not work very well for me. So I'm, I'm definitely going to give this a try. It, it looks like it's not very expensive. It's like 15, 20 bucks for a couple hundred tablets. And uh, I'll try it for a week or two, see if it works. And if it does, absolutely fantastic. I'll, I'll be very grateful. So thank you very much, uh, Gary. And if anybody else out there listening has sinus issues and they have this little cure that works for them, send it my way. I definitely want to know and I'll definitely try it. Uh, I have tried and I know it works, but I, I can't bring myself to do it. Um, Oh, what does it call that stuff that you spray in your nose? What do you, 
What do you call that, Julie? You can whisper so you're not on the podcast. Yeah, the the neti pots. You know, the thing is, I know they work, but, oh, they just... You have to literally squirt this liquid up one nostril. It goes all through your sinuses and comes out the other side. And you use a, a, a room temperature saline type of solution uh, or distilled water. And, uh, you know, the first time I tried it, I made a huge mistake by using cold water right out of the tap. And that'll wake you up, let me tell you. Uh, but it's 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 uh, the feeling of this liquid being forced through your nasal passages and out the other side. It's just wrong. It's it's just not right. It's It feels terrible. And I'm sure if I did that every night and every morning when I'm not completely stuffed up, when I'm relatively clear and just continue to get it, I'm sure it would cure my, my allergies. But I can't bring my... It doesn't hurt. Don't get me wrong. But it's the weirdest feeling. I. It's just... It's not right. It, it feels like I'm being violated in some way. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Uh, Al Luckow, who uh, we've had on the MyMac podcast way, way back. Uh, he actually does uh, Steve Wozniak's website. He's like one of Steve Wozniak's best friends. Um, he's the one that actually suggested that I try it. And he's a firm believer, and he does it all the time. And he says the neti pots are, he never have, never ever has sinus problems. And he used to have them really, really severely. Uh, in fact, he was getting those allergy shots and tests all the time and expensive medicine. But once he tried this, and he does it every day, multiple times a day, he says he just never has problems. But I would rather have the problems, to be honest, because well, I can't do it. I mean, you literally taste whatever it is that you're squirting up there, uh, a saline or a... Uh-uh, I don't want to. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. So if that's your your solution, I'm not going to do it. Big news of this week that I did want to uh, talk about. There's two things. There was a an article in Time Magazine this week about Nintendo. And I know we've been talking about video games a lot on this show. Uh, but this is more business-related. It is, seems to be that, you know, I've got a Nintendo Wii U. I think it's a good console. But I'm still having the same problems with it that I had a year ago when I first got it. And that is, there's just not very many good games for it. And it seems to be more of a problem now. And with Microsoft and Sony both releasing, releasing next-generation game consoles... And Nintendo beating them to the market by a year, but releasing a game console that's equivalent to the last generation of consoles has really hurt them. They simply don't have the third-party support from gamers or from game makers that they really need to sell a lot of units. And I got to be honest, uh, Matt Peckham at Time Magazine, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can find it. I, I got to say, it's kind of a bleak future for Nintendo. And unless they do something really, really quickly, they're in trouble. Uh, trouble to the tune of, let's see, last fiscal year, they lost $358 million. This year, they've lost $228 million. And, I mean, that's over $500 million right there. That's approaching $600 million loss in two years. Um. Look, Nintendo has a lot of money in the bank. They sold a lot of uh, Wiis. Most of those are gathering dust. That was kind of the the hit on that system that a lot of people bought the Wii 
they played the bowling game and the sports games that came free with it. And then it sh- sat on the, uh, the shelf or the, you know, underneath the TV and, and just gathered dust forever. And, you know, they sold a lot of them. So they have a lot of money and a lot of capital in the bank, but that's only going to take them so far. You, you've got to replenish that money somehow. And the 3DS saw a good bump a couple of years ago when they lowered the price, but that's kind of leveled out. Everyone who wanted one has one. Uh, I thought the 2DS would sell better than it has been. Uh, that saw a little bit of a spike, but that kind of disappeared after the holiday season. And honestly, you know, without third-party games of AAA-type games, and without Nintendo seemingly able to crank out their first-party games, uh, at least on the schedule that they said that they were going to, I think Nintendo's in trouble. I think that uh, a year from now, if this trend continues, we're going to start hearing a lot of rumors about someone buying Nintendo or Nintendo becoming more of a third-party software developer for other platforms, kind of like what Sega did. And uh, I don't know, could you imagine Mario or Zelda on an Xbox One or on, on an iPad? I can imagine it. I kind of wish they would do that because that's how I want to play those games now. And it looks like the the buying public just isn't buying Nintendo's hardware anymore, at least not significantly or in significant numbers to uh, sustain the company. So I think that's worrisome. They're, you know, we're, we're talking about the history of video games and their products were ranked right up there, right? Well, that's the history. We, we need to look at the going forward at Nintendo and they're just not cutting it. And it's, it's sad because I like the Wii U, although I think that the gamepad is pretty crappy uh, compared to, you know, just a regular controller. But they say, well, it's a gamepad. It's more like a tablet. Well, if you compare it to a tablet, it's, it's absolutely horrible. I mean, a, an iPad mini is a much better tablet than the thing from Nintendo. So I don't know. Also in the news, um, and this is not good news for Comcast or Time Warner. Remember, Comcast wants to buy Time Warner. And now lawmakers are saying, uh, how is this potential purchase of Time Warner, does this help consumers? And does this lower prices for consumers? Well, remember Comcast came out when they first mentioned that they want to buy Time Warner and Time Warner putting up their hand and saying, yes, we want them to buy us too. Comcast came right out and said, uh, this will not save consumers money. In fact, consumers are going to see an increase in their bills. And I guess the lawmakers, those who are going to give a yay or a nay to this merger, is now saying, hey, is this going to save consumers money? And if the answer is no, and we already know it is, I think that this merger is uh, in jeopardy of not happening. And to be honest, I think that's great news. Comcast is way too big as it is. And, you know, we need more competition when it comes to providing internet service to homes. And when you have one player that dominates more than 50% of the market in any one country, that's not consumer friendly. You're going to pay more for your bill. So I hope the lawmakers stick to their guns. They don't allow Comcast to buy Tom Warner. I think it is anti-competitive. And uh, I, I hope that they uh, they don't allow it to happen. Last thing I wanted to talk about. Where is it? Oh, yeah, here it is. So the big news, and of course, this is just rumor, but it's being reported in a lot of very... Um, how could I describe it? Um, well, it, it's being reported. <laughs> I hate to say it, it's being reported in some prestigious magazines and financial papers out there that Apple 
is looking to buy Beats Media. Now, Beats Media, obviously, it's the Dr. Dre company. They have those giant headphones. You see the the little lowercase b on speakers? That's Beat headphones. Uh, They came out with, uh, a month or two ago, a new streaming subscription music service that was expensive, uh, especially considering how much content they have compared to, say, Pandora or Spotify. But they are, for all intents and purposes, um, kind of a big company now when it comes to music. The the headphones, the portable speakers, and now the subscription service. The rumor is going around, and I guess it's been confirmed by Dr. Dre himself, one of the founders of the company, that Apple is circling a, their intent to buy Beats Media for $3.2 billion dollars. This would be by far the more money than Apple's ever spent on an acquisition. Up to this point, uh, the highest money they ever spent was $400 million back in 97 for um, Next. And, of course, that deal brought Steve Jobs back to Apple. Uh, but that was $400 million. What did Apple get out of that deal? Well, they got the groundwork for the operating system, the core of the operating system that we're using even to today on both the Mac and iOS. But that being said, what do you get with Beats Media? Well... I've read online articles that says it used to be the little white earbuds that you'd see in everyone's ear uh, and the ears of influential celebrities. Now you're seeing headphones from Beats. And so Apple wants to stay a viable competitor. Thus they buy Beats Media. And uh, I don't get it though. I, I have to I have to stop there. I just don't get it. The subscription service Apple already has with, uh, with iTunes. Of course, from what I see, nobody's using it, but still. Uh, they already own that. They don't need a headphone maker. They just could make their own headphones better. And they're not going to start including Beats Media headphones in with iPhones, I don't think. So what are they really getting? Is it really worth is that brand worth 3.2 billion? And if it is, I would like Apple to know that uh, the podcast network called Stoplight Network is worth 1.2 billion and we're for sale. <laughs> and uh you can have everything <laughs> uh, i don't get it i don't i don't understand why apple would acquire this company i don't see i, I definitely don't see 3.2 billion dollars worth of it seems like one of those companies that's it's popular right now but they don't have any sustainability um it's the the cool product right now but will it be cool and two or three years, I don't know. They don't They don't innovate in a way that a company like Apple or Sony or Microsoft or Google does. Um, their headphones, quite honestly, I've tested them. They don't sound very good. They pretty much own the market for headphones over $100. So I guess that's something. But the actual quality, the audio quality of their headphones, I, I got to be honest, they're subpar. They don't sound that great. In fact, I've got headphones here that I paid, well, I didn't for them they were a review copy but i've got copies of, or a, a pair of headphones here that cost 200 bucks that blows away anything that beats has in the 400 price range it's not even close so i don't know it, the only thing i could figure is that they are looking to get a popular brand and if you go into any apple stores you'll see a lot of beats products in the apple store so maybe apple just wants a bigger cut of a very highly profitable business. Look, their $200 headphones that Beats sells actually cost Beats $14 to make. So the the margins there are huge. It, those are bigger margins than Apple enjoys. But I still don't see spending that much money 
for beats. Um, look, Apple has over $150 billion sitting in their bank account. They got to do something with it. Beats it would have been one of the last things I would have guessed. It's it, To me, it doesn't make any sense. I think something that would make sense is for Apple to acquire a company like HP, who is getting out of the PC, ma uh, PC market, and they're in markets that Apple is not in, enterprise. That would make more sense to me. But if you look at what Apple's doing now, they're more of a consumer-facing company by far than they are a hardcore computer company anymore. So maybe for those reasons it makes sense, but I don't know. I don't see it, but they didn't call me to ask my opinion either. So that's what it is right now. That's the rumor, and like any rumor, who knows if it's true or not. According to Dr. Dre, it is true. Um, it would make uh, Dr. Dre the, the richest hip-hop artist in the world, he said. He'd be the first billion-dollar hip-hop artist. Um, that's a lot of money. I'd love to know your thoughts. Maybe by the time this podcast is uh, reaches your ears, it's been confirmed or denied. Uh, but either way, let me know what you think. It's Tim at techfanpodcast.com or David at techfanpodcast.com. Easiest way is to go to techfanpodcast.com's website and leave a message there. And like I said earlier, please review us in um, iTunes. It helps rankings. We'll get higher in, in the list. More people will discover the show. And uh, we all become real millionaires and billionaires when we sell the company to Apple. <laughs> I hope. That'd be nice. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. I look forward to uh, hopefully having David on next week. Like I said at the top of the show, you know, he had a, a business thing that came up, some kind of a business meeting. And, you know, that happens. And uh, when it does, we carry on and record the show and don't enjoy ourselves nearly as much as we would have had David been here. Uh, but with that, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.